0: yo 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 I hope you guys can hear me again every week I come here and I get a little bit nervous when I gotta produce my own show so uh I'm hoping that I'm live I'm hoping you can hear me uh I'm in the studio on my own today so I've got some interesting things to talk about um Hopefully get quite deep, as I always say to people. (laughs) Uh, But I've had a tune in my head, been singing it on the way here. So I think I'll start off with that. Um, And uh, we can get into it afterwards. So yeah, welcome to Tea in the Morning, everybody. We've now changed to be the first and third Sunday of every month instead of the second and fourth. And we've done that so that we can go on to four hours if we want to. I don't know if we will, but uh, we might. Uh, But yeah. Here's uh, I Got a Woman by Ray Charles.
1: I got a woman
2: way over town that's good to me. just for me She's alright. I don't know. She's alright. She's alright. She's alright. Oh yeah.
0: Yo. So I'm still trying to get these levels right. Oh my God, this chair is so low down. Let me just get myself a little bit higher, guys. Still trying to get my levels right. Um, I hope you can hear the bed. I can in my headphones. Um, But I'll get someone to text me and uh, let me know if... Sorry about the creaking. Let me know if they can't uh, hear my bed. Um, I've gone with some lo-fi hip-hop today. Uh, this chair is going to be really annoying, so I might switch it out when I play my next song. Uh, I've gone for some lo-fi hip hop today. I don't know why. I only decided it when I walked in. I was actually trying to decide what I was going to talk about today. I was going to have a guest, but um, we've actually rearranged it. Uh, so I was trying to work out what I'm going to talk about today. But I mean, you know me. I'm just going to get deep because that's what I do. Um, I've been thinking about my dad a lot recently just gonna throw it out there, straight away. Oh, first, I'm gonna apologize for being late. Um, I am not gonna lie. I just wanted to get myself a tea. And then, producing my own show, I was getting nervous, and then I had to call my girlfriend and like ask her something that was in my notebook at home about how to set this up. Oh God, that creak. Let me just go all the way back. There we go. Oh, oh God, that's too far back. Um. So, yeah, I apologize for being late. That's not something I like to make a habit of. Um, But today, yeah, today I'm going to... Just to start off with, not for four hours, you're not going to hear me speak about my dad because that'd be crazy. I could. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I don't know why. Uh, I guess maybe in a time of transition, like, you look for, like, mentors or people who have mentored you. And obviously my dad was a big mentor in my life, so maybe that's why I've been thinking about him a lot um shout out to anyone who's lost obviously a parent um appreciate the what you're going through too uh it's uh it's a weird one because like there's that whole oh yeah well you know they never die because they live through you and you you know but (laughs) that doesn't really work when you need advice right because you then have to talk to something that doesn't exist and try and create the advice that they would give you. But the whole reason you're asking for advice is because you don't know what you need to do. So it's like, it becomes a difficult... Anyway. So yeah, I've been thinking about my dad a lot recently. He was a cool dude. Little intro to to Todd Norman. Um, heavily described as a maverick <laughs> before Maverick changed. Um... But yeah, he was, uh, he was a really interesting guy, very smart, always knew the answers to everything. You know, those guys who always had the history behind what you were talking about. And even if you didn't want to know or hear it, you would. And like something, that it's something maybe that I didn't appreciate as a child, and then obviously started to appreciate more as I got older, because it's exactly what I do now. And my brother says he does the exact same thing. He always just like interjects with a bit of knowledge that no one cares about or wanted just going to get some water one set. Oh. Sunday morning. Went out last night, so can be a bit difficult. So yeah, Todd Norman was a cool dude. He was a cool dude. Very much a mentor. So like a lot of the time when I do look for advice, I kind of like, I'm not a very spiritual person, so I don't believe in kind of all the talking to the dead or anything like that. But I just look up in the sky, I'm like, yo, dude, like, he was American. I'm like, dude, what do I need to do, man? Like, what what's the right answer in this, man? Like, you know, you know the answer. And then I pretend that he's giving me the answer. But you never, you, you know, like, because I'm not a spiritual person, I know that it's me giving the answer. And I know that I don't know it, so I know that there's no backing behind <laughs> that answer as, like, any kind of, like, real, I don't know, new info or whatever. I don't know. Um... But yeah he was like a mentor i feel like everyone kind of needs those mentors at some point you know i, I don't know i feel like oh you still, yeah you stole me i feel like there's always like a a person who like oh yeah like they helped me with like this whole thing so i learned loads about it without having to you know i i, I always say to my girlfriend like if you take advice from people who have done like made the mistakes before you or done loads of work before you like they they're there to carve out a cleaner path for you like that's what you do with your kids right you you try and teach them things that you learn so you can carve out a clearer, more kind of dedicated path for them so they don't have to spend loads of time learning loads of silly things that you learn by making these mistakes. that's kind of what it is right, and a mentor kind of helps you do that i think that's like important i think having a mentor in your life like having someone who can just kind of carve through all of that and say look these 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 are the things that i've learned that have been like absolutely key and like my dad was that for me he would be like and sometimes he was wrong obviously my dad was very much a futurist but also like very aware of like he's very private person like so he was very aware of like you know, involvement and social media and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, but he would, yeah, he would definitely carve out a path for me based on giving me advice on mistakes he'd made or things he learned along the way. And I think having that is really important because it allows you to focus more so on um, the next step. So let me give you an example. I'm learning to skateboard at the moment and I was learning to rock fakie the other day. And there's so many little parts involved in learning to rock fakie, but the more you learn as an automatic, the easier it is to learn the next part. So I would go up and it took me a while to just get to the point where I was understanding the speed I needed to get over the top of the coping. Top of the coping is the top of the the quarter pipe. And it was just like, once I knew exactly how much speed I needed to get there, the balancing on the top of the coping was the next step, and I could start thinking about that now because I'd become completely automatic in how much spe- how much speed I needed and then once I'd learned the balance on the top of the coping, coming down was fucking impossible, and I had to learn that balance so automatically that it was like I then had the brain space to learn to come back down, and it's kind of like that when someone carves out. A path for you it's like okay this monotonous or you know quite difficult or elongated process I'm not saying that we shouldn't work hard I'm saying this process that seems elongated to how much satisfaction you get from it but it's an important thing to know like if someone carves out that for you and carves out takes away that whole having to spend all this time learning and relearning relearning this very simple process that makes life a lot easier but isn't that greater satisfaction to spend so much time learning how to do it allows you to then focus on more important things that are important and do give you great satisfaction. So, yeah, it's like learning to drive. Once you learn all of the little pieces, it, it yes it, everything seems impossible. But once you, once someone just teaches you the little piece, like my friend taught me about not well, but he said if you ride the, he showed me that if you ride the clutch you realize how much power is behind just the clutch. And that taught me about whole starts. Like, by doing that, I could then focus on so many other parts of my driving just because someone had just given me that little bit of advice. So I always think that's kind of... Uh, what is this music in the back? It's gone all like Evanescence. Oh, no, no. Yeah, swimming's still Evanescence. Um, yeah, so I definitely think that having a mentor is important. I think the film industry, the industry I'm in, is is... the film industry is so difficult in terms of that stuff like i think there is some really good people if you can get into the right place and meet the right people there is some some incredible like just souls i guess incredible people who just have like incredible energy and like very you know it's like seeing the whole film industry as a unit rather than seeing other people in the film industry who want to do the same thing as you or a little bit below you as like you know, competition. So I always say to people when I meet other directors, even other filmmakers, but specifically when I meet other directors, you know, especially when they're up and coming like myself, it's, I'm like, yo, this is my brother, man. Like, it's like within the family of filmmaking, you are like my direct brother. You know what I mean? It's like, there's things we we deal with, there's things we think, like our brains obviously operate somewhat, not necessarily in the same way, but they operate in a similar way in the way we look at, you know, story and vision, so. I always think that I see the film industry as a unit that we all kind of are a part of. And I think that there is so many people in the film industry that are like that. And you just need to kind of find out, find who they are and uh, and just get good advice from them. The other side of that is that I think that the film industry also has a lot of people who... Um. don't know how to describe it, but I think there's like, there's a route. And if you haven't done that route, there's like an element of them and us, and uh, I just I, I think there's like the, the film industry as like interesting as it is, and like obviously the, you know new and interesting and technology. You know, I think there's still like elements of old schoolness that just make it difficult for like people who are in a more uh, I don't know what the word. It's like the film industry is very much, you set yourself on a goal and your 15 years, 20 years is your goal to make that happen, you know? And it's like the world we live in now is so different in every single industry. And I think film industry is maybe, I guess, slow to cater to that. Um, So I just think, yeah, I think having, finding a really good mentor in the industry and having someone who really gives, you know, really cares about Bringing new talent is like an, is really important, and I think if you are new talent, don't get disheartened by, you know, people not necessarily wanting to help you because there are people out there. It's just they're not everywhere, so keep working at it. But yeah, mentors are important. Mentors in any sense are important. I uh, I've always yeah you know, I I'm not really like I said in my first first show I'm not really a therapy guy, but you know a mentor is someone who isn't necessarily trying to like get into, you know, whatever is bugging you. They're just trying to kind of help you in moving forward, I guess. And uh, that's what Todd was. Todd, Todd's my dad. That was, that was, uh, dad was always about, okay, what's the next move forward? Like, you know, what can you get that's, he always said a degree was a, <laughs> this is why he was sometimes wrong. He always said a degree was a passport. And like, that <laughs> degree don't mean shit now, man. You need waste of time. But, you know, he would always say, okay, you need to, like, build build yourself into these things. That's why I guess. Yeah. Yeah, he always said it was a possible. It's cool, though, man. He was a very cool guy. And uh, he was a very interesting guy. Um, When he passed away, I made a video to this song, Three O'Clock Blues, which is on an album by um, Eric Clapton and B.B. King. So i might get that one loaded up um but yeah it was a very cool video uh, i think it might be on youtube somewhere so i'll post it on wherever i'll post it um but yeah i'm gonna get three o'clock blues lo- reloaded up so bear with me again because i am in here on my own so it just takes me a second uh, but yeah love <laughs>
1: Give me more. i
0: bet
3: can you hear my bed
0: I can just I might turn that up a bit so I was just thinking over that song I don't know about anybody out there who's had a person in their family die earlier than they think they should have and been there's so many different contexts for that. I mean, I cannot possibly begin to start thinking about all the different ways people could be taken before their time. And I, I mean, the, the feelings that we all feel from that can all be completely different depending on who we are, depending on how they're taken, all that kind of stuff. But sometimes I just feel robbed. You know them ones where you just feel robbed? Like you're like, what? Nah. That's like like I feel like someone as you came up to me in the street, took something off me and walked off. And I had nothing. I couldn't do anything about it. I had like a gun to my head. It's just like how does that even work? Like there's so many people in this world, so many good and bad people. And you're just like, What what like what? But then I started thinking about being not a spiritual person. What are all the crazy ways that we could recreate dead people? So, like, what? Like, we got the we got the basics. So, like, my head first went. I was like, okay, cool. So you'd get a bunch of video content, pictures, uh recordings of their voice, like any papers they've read, uh, written. Sorry, anything they've written in their own kind of context and in my dad's case it would be like oh like adverts and all this and all that stuff that he'd done research all that and then you'd put it through a machine which would then obviously then load into some sort of bot which would then essentially be the same thing missing certain pieces um i guess you could also get people to tell the bot stuff so you'd be like you'd say okay cool so we're gonna get all the close family members and then maybe the extended family members and then a couple of like, couple of people from like specific points. So again, in my dad's case, it would be like someone from when he was in the army who was like, he was good friends with and someone from his childhood like his brother and then like us. And they'd like recant. It'd be weird to recant memories to him when he'd bought form. So I guess you'd recant the memories into the machine beforehand and then they'd get input into this bot. I mean, it'd be close enough. Right, like I think that you get to a point where I mean, is this bed loud
3: now? What's going on? There's some weird shit, man. This is
0: a, I might have to change this bed. I'm not feeling it. Do you know? What? I'm not feeling it. Once can everyone just hold with me for two? Do you know? What? No, I'll change it next on my next song. I'll change it. I don't like it. I'm going back to the blues. Blues is me. Um, yeah, so you could do that, but then that would still just be a bot so like for people who couldn't bridge the gap that would just be a bot so how would you then do it What will be the next step like we can't i heard at one point they were trying to bring a woolly mammoth back to life like i don't think that they could ever actually do that because that wouldn't make sense they could probably recreate a woolly mammoth but then if so if you could recreate a human In like like Dolly the sheep kind of form. How would you then? Well, you couldn't clone someone who was dead. I guess maybe you could. Could you? I don't. I don't think you could clone someone who was dead. But if you were cloning someone, could you clone the mind? Do you know what I mean? Because obviously the mind is exper. Oh God, there we go. Sorry about that. The mind is experiential so like how would you clone the mind to know and understand i don't know that wouldn't work right Uh, i went to the zoology museum and saw the size like a human's brain compared to all the others and i was like wow okay i guess we are quite smart but like how could you clone all of that experience and all of those like would a clone? i don't know enough about dolly but did dolly know to like eat grass and like shit and all that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Or was it just completely a vegetable just like it, just lay, and I, I, I don't know, I need to do some research on Dolly, but I don't know with a human if you could like, get away with, I don't know if it would work. So then I guess the next step is like AI, human based. So it has to be AI that we could load. But then you got the fear of like, okay, what if this thing goes crazy? You know? I was...
3: Is anyone else scared of AI?
0: I don't know if I'm scared of it. I'm definitely aware of the fact that it is going to be interesting. Like when my toaster starts telling me that my toaster's... It's like, no, you shall not. You shall not put it in for three minutes. I decide to. And I'm like, I mean... Am I not in control of the toast anymore? Is that is, is that, have I lost that power? I feel like, the, I, mean, the, I always said the smarter the phone, the dumber the man, right? I feel like the more we automate things, the less control I have over my life. Like I like my manual car. I don't like the fact that my car might have an iPad in it, like a Tesla, essentially a massive iPad. Like, I don't know, it just, I feel like the more we automate things, the less control I have over my life as much as I think I do. I think I have more. It's like, oh, yeah, I can change the lights of my my things. But I'm like, well, yeah, but then, you know, if someone just wanted to kill all my lights, they could kill all my lights. And then that's just me being over-paranoid, obviously. But it's, you know, I always said, like, if I had, like, a Tesla, like, I could afford a Tesla, but if I had a Tesla, I'd be like, I can't get away from anything. Like if anything happened and I just needed to get away, I could like, right now I could leave my phone at home, put some black electrical tape on my license plate and just drive and that'd be it. Kind of just end off. I don't know, I don't know. I don't know what other ways there really is to bring people back from the dead. I mean there's all the other there's the like, internal ways so there was that black mirror episode where they like put the person inside the guy's brain was it the girl inside the guy's brain i think it was yeah um but obviously we all saw that ended up and it wasn't great so i don't really know if it's i don't even know if it's worth it you know what i mean my dad used to say humans are not a viable species like just in general he just said humans are not a viable species he, they said if we didn't exist the planet would be surviving very well, but because we exist the planet is at its worst and i mean I don't think anyone could really deny that, but I'm really down to hear it if you want to if you want to debate that t e t l e y t o b y is my instagram send me a message about why the humans are good for the environment. And don't send me a message saying now that we're doing all this recycling thing because we're trying to fix our own problem so, <laughs> that we created. So, like, you know, I don't want to hear like, "Oh, we recycle this." Because, I, <laughs> the other day, I was with Mateo, the owner of the station, and he was saying his dad told him that, um, uh, what was it? There was a a company in Belgium, uh, air company, airline in Belgium, had run 8,000, I think. 8,000 completely empty flights during COVID just to make sure they maintained their terminal space across Europe. And yet, like, I'm out here washing up my, like, tuna can to make sure there's not a shred of tuna in it to make sure it goes to the recycle. And, like, what? Why is the onus on us? Like, it says, please recycle on the Coke bottle. But it's like, what? Your operations are so absolutely detrimental to the environment. How can you put the onus on me to recycle your goddamn stupid little bottle? Like, I'll do it, but the onus is not on me. The onus is on you to stop fucking using plastic. Do you know what I mean? The onus is on you to, like, find a biodegradable, sustainable, like, packaging that works because it's not on me, you know? I'm gonna do it because I have to. Fi- I have to be a part of fixing the issues. What the hell is going on outside? Can you guys hear that in the back? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. What other ways can we bring people back from the dead? There was like, we could do it like the old-fashioned way, with uh, is it Medusa? Was it Medusa from Pirates of the Caribbean? She brought people back from the dead? Oh, no, Calypso. Oh, did, no, did Calypso bring people back from the dead? or did, God, I can't remember that film. It got a bit intense. But, yeah. I don't know how to bring people back from the dead. I don't know if I need, we need to. I Personally, I've said many a time, I would love to either see the end of the earth or be immortal. Because I don't have any reason to go anywhere else. Like... I don't believe in the afterlife or anything like that. So I just kind of like, I don't have a reason to need to die. So therefore I'd rather just get, if I knew I was immortal, I'd enjoy life so much more. I think that life would just be kind of chill. Like I would get way invested in AI because I'd be like, cool, you can't kill me. So like, let's be mates. I'd I'd be a thrill seeker, man. I'd like jump off fucking bridges and, but no, I worry about breaking bones, death, um, disease. Yeah, no, they definitely worries that I have anxieties that I live with. <laughs> don't know about you guys. Do you guys? You guys? Or, I don't know. Like, I got a few friends who are thrill seekers. I'm just like, you are just, you just don't care about anything. I just, no, it's not me. Like, I do. I'm like very much worried about breaking a breaking a bone in some kind of crazy. 50 foot cliff diving accident into like rocks. Like, no, I'm good. Tell you who would have told me not to do that Todd. My dad would have been like, as a mentor, I'm going to advise you that this is probably a bad idea. Um, yeah, oh, he was so funny, man. He used to say the funniest things. One time, uh, my mate Yannis got me into Grover Washington Jr. when I was at uh, university. Yanis um, is doing fucking sick ec2a is his label in bristol and he's doing fucking good so everybody go hit him up um yeah so he got me into grover washington and my dad came (laughs) my dad came upstairs once me and i were listening to grover washington he was like toby you stealing my records i was just like what what he's in he's like did you steal one of my records and I was like, "No, what are you saying? What?" And he was just like, "Oh man, this used to be my tune, man. This is what, I used to groove to, man." I was like, "Oh my taste, like, And he was like doing some little like, like moving thing with his body. I'm like, if you knew my dad, he wasn't necessarily the most rhythmic person with his body. So yeah, he was like, "Yo, oh, this is my groove, man." I was like, "Ah, oh, D, like, come on, like, never met Yanis before in his life, like, it's so funny, man." Um, but he told me the story about, I think the this, this show's called Jazz in the Park. And I think it's like in a different place like every year or something. And he said that he like came off an oil rig in Canada onto Vancouver. And they were like covered in crap, like oil and grease. And like, they'd been there for like three months or something like they nah, like, And they came into Vancouver and Jazz in the Park was in Vancouver and it was Herbie Hancock. Grover Washington and someone else. And he was just like, everyone was like dressed up to a tea and then they just turned up. They were like absolutely fucked with all their big bags of all their clothes. And they were just like, we can't not go to this. And just like sat and had the most, the sickest, sickest time. I thought that was fucking sick. Very, very, very jealous of my dad. What was that? Oh, I thought that was like a ring. Like a ring doorbell in the middle of the... Um yeah, he saw some cool people. My mum my mum's list of people she's seen is absolutely ridiculous. She's seen like Bob Marley. I think she's seen The Who. No, I know she's seen The Who. The Beatles. I think she's seen Led Zeppelin. I'm not sure she's seen Led Zeppelin. I think she's seen the Smashing Pumpkins. I think she's seen Pink Floyd. Like her list. Every time we like, we when we were younger, you know, you would get into that. Like, oh yeah, I've been to this. I've been to. This. She'd come in and she'd listen. And she'd be like, oh guys, like, don't worry, I've, I, I beat you all. Like, which was always fucking sick. She used to take me to festivals and stuff, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, my my dad was a big Rover Washington fan, which I became very, very like a lot. I became a big Grover Washington fan. And um, we played at his. I think I played it on this show, actually, but we played it as cremation. Um, oh, man. Came in, I used to come in and he would be listening to blues, and I think that my love for blues has has just stemmed from that. Like, just these visions of him just banging out blues in his room on his little record player, and me just being like, I have no idea who this is, but this sounds amazing. Like, this is so sick. Um, that and the fucking jazz. And then sometimes he'd have some reggae going. Um, but yeah, he was very, very much a a blues man. He loved a bit of Simon and Garfunkel. Let me get a Simon and Garfunkel loaded up on my phone. He loved a bit of Simon and Garfunkel. Um, uh, let me get someone loaded up. just going to go whatever the first song is on their Spotify. All right, you guys ready for some Simon and Garfunkel?
1: softly creeping
3: apologies for that everybody my phone had
0: a
1: little glitch but uh sleeping.
0: i'm definitely gonna leave this one on for a little play
1: that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence in restless dreams i walked along the streets
3: of cobblestone Neath the halo of a street lamp I turned my collar to the
1: cold and damp When my eyes were stared By the flash of a neon light It split the night And touched the sound
3: of silence And in the naked light I saw, 10,000 people, maybe more, people talking without speaking, people hearing without listening, people writing songs. Silence, fools that I you do not know, silence like a cancer grows, hear my words that I might teach you, take my arms that I might reach you, but my words And that was Simon and Garfunkel
0: Oh, I forgot I was going to change the chair Alright, just enjoy this blues for a second while I change my
4: chair
2: to where
0: This chair is way better Okay This one has absolutely no squeak Which is great now I got a chair for my feet as well. <laughs> um, so I wanted to get into something today, a bit different. So good time to change the bed. Um, just as a sign off, uh, big up Todd Norman, absolute gangster, fucking awesome guy. For um, anyone who's ever lost a parent, a child, a brother, a sister, an uncle, an aunt, I feel for you. I'm sorry. I know obviously I feel for people who have lost grandparents, but it's like a more expected thing to happen in your life. Um, you know, it's it's you know, it's the difficult it's difficult. I uh, you know. I don't know what to say. Um but yeah, to to all and every one of you, it's about that um emotional maturity, I guess I was talking about. And that's not like an immaturity maturity like I said two weeks ago with Hamzi. It's just about having been through something that that is so drastic in a certain area that you then can connect with other people who have been through such a drastic thing in that area as well. And like, you know, for me, mine was quite quick, which I think is quite, makes it a bit more difficult. Um, For some people, they say the quicker, the easier. I guess that's kind of the case for if it's like one, two days, you almost just don't get a chance to, I guess that's kind of what they mean. Like I saw a lot of deterioration in what I saw. Um, So I don't know. Uh, Me and my mate always used to say, like, there's no way to define what's harder. We just have to all agree that it's hard. (laughs) And that's kind of the end of. um, He lost his dad at uh, uh, um, six. He found his dad dead at six. So I, uh, I, yeah, he, he, you know, mine and his experiences were so different. And yet we can connect it on such a almost subconscious level so um yeah to all those people uh, i'm with you solidarity what i wanted to get on i just finished a month of no added refined sugars like no added sugars and no uh, uh red or white meat so just fish and i didn't actually find it that hard um as a, as a complete and utter sugar addict, I thought it would be more difficult than it was. Um, but I didn't find it that hard. And the interesting thing is that I've been eating sugar and meat for a week now. And this week, like, my gym sessions, I didn't have as many gym sessions and like this and that. And I was also looking after Pete, my mom's house, so I was back in Finchley. But, like, interesting that as soon as I stopped doing it, it was, uh, everything kind of went to shoot. But yeah, I wanted to talk about the, those because I think that we can get wrapped up in these um, challenges or whatever you want to call it. And we, we put so much on ourselves. And I, w- I said to my girlfriend before we started at the beginning of January, I said, we can't use the word failure. And the word failure doesn't can't come into this thing that we're doing because failing means the thing has ended. I failed, so it's finished. So I'm just going to carry on. And it's... That's kind of, I think, a massive issue that people get into where it's like when they feel like they've failed, it's kind of like there's no coming back. Um, Maybe my bed's a bit loud. I like the music. Maybe it's a bit loud. I'm just going to scoot over and quieten that a bit. I think that's better. Um, I think when we've, when we think we failed, it's over. So we don't really need to kind of try and bring ourselves back. And I think that, um, that can be kind of de- like detrimental to, you know, fixing the issue we're trying to fix in the first place. So I kept on telling her we can't say we failed. We just slipped up. And if you slip up, it's fine. Like who cares? Like we're only doing this for ourselves. No one's paying us t- hundred thousand pounds to complete the task. You know, it's just kind of. It's what it is, so we just have to kind of allow ourselves to do what we can do. If we slip up, we slip up, but carry on with the task, you know? No, it's not, like, use the word failure. But neither of us slipped up. I think I slipped up once when I forgot, so I was cleaning up the house, and there was, like, a little bit left in this cherry Coke bottle from the previous, like, from, like, the end of December, from New Year's or something. And I just thought like, I was gonna finish it and they put it in the bin and I had like, I put it to my lips, as it touched my lips, my mouth was like, oh this is like, oh shit, and I spat it out. Um, and I did that again at my friend's house where he gave me a juice. <laughs> and he was just like, because we always just drink juice. And I like, had the ti- I had it touch my lips and it was like, the tiniest sip I was like, oh, no, can't have this. And he was giving me shit about it. He was like, well it's got no, barely any sugar in it. And I was like, I, you're right, in this massive glass there's barely any sugar. But that's not the point. The point is to try and break the mentality. So I just need to have water. Um, actually, I got shown this really cool thing last night. Although it's like 80 quid. But it's like a bottle that you can have water and juice in it. And it has a little kind of switch dial. It's, a, it's mad. It's a bit mad. Um, but yeah, when you're doing these things, you've got to make sure that you're not, um, you're not thinking about failing. You're thinking about it's just a slip up if you don't finish it and it's not any kind of issue or it's not kind of any ending to you trying to fix whatever this is that you're trying to do I think you need to just kind of concentrate on getting to wherever you want to be with that so for me I my, uh, my girlfriend wanted to carry on and I didn't the end for me was the end of January or a couple of days into February because we started a bit late but that's what I needed to do f- for me to complete the challenge in my mind and I did and, like, it changed the way I thought about me. It changed the way I thought about sugar. It changed all these things. For her, she wants to carry on doing it. And so that's what her challenge is. And, like, you have to be content with what your challenge is and just take it step by step. So, like, for me, I'm, I, I'm at a point now where I'm like, okay, well, there's 12 months in the year. If I take every month to do a new set of challenges, then basically by the end of the month, I'll be better at 12, a set of 12 different things. Which is kind of sick, so you know, like cigarettes or this or that. Do you know what I mean? It's like it could get you could be so much better. With all these things. So I I think that the month thing is obviously a really good one because being able to see an end makes things easier. Obviously, when you're when it's like oh I'm going to do this forever, you know, it's like oh I'll never have a cigarette again. It feels amazing to say it, but the thought of it's kind of daunting. Like because you start thinking about all the times that you want a cigarette and you're like hmm. Definitely gonna want a cigarette then. There needs to be a, a, a way to stop smoking that's not e-cigarettes, or than dirty patches. Like, I don't know what it is, like an injection. There needs to be an injection that's just a one-time injection, and you never want to smoke cigarettes again. I remember there was this one thing this guy gave me. It was chewing gum. And it wasn't like nicotine chewing gum. It made a cigarette taste bad. And I, I was just angry. It didn't make me want to quit smoking. I kept on trying to have a cigarette, and it just tasted bad. And I was like, "This guy sucks. He's ruined my day." I don't get that. Like, that's not helping me quit. You know, you need to change the mentality of why I have a cigarette. Do you know what I mean? That's the important part. But I don't know. I'd love to. I'd love to be able to stop smoking cigarettes. That's one of the challenges. But I think that if you look at it and you think of it as little set challenges instead of as like massive monumental life changes, it definitely starts, Well, this mic is trying to get away from me. (laughs) Um, It definitely becomes easier to deal with. I think that we become overwhelmed a lot by, um, we become overwhelmed a lot by essentially just Saying we need to do these massive things, or I need to do this, this, and then you're like, Oh, I also need to do this, and actually, I need to do that, and like, what's that thing I forgot I needed to do? And it all becomes a bit much. I know I do it, I know I've spoken to my girlfriend about it, like, so I'm sure people out there do it too. And we're in that overwhelmingness, we just kind of reclude and say, Okay, fuck it. I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna have this cigarette, oh, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And it's kind of like wastes like it wastes um it wastes the power that you had to want to fix it and if you were to do it in littler bites you'd be able to use that power much more successfully so i wanted to quit smoking in january but when i had that cigarette i wasn't feeling bad about it i wasn't feeling like oh this is a slip up because that wasn't my challenge for the month. I had enough on, I was trying to do enough. I eat a lot of meat, and like I said, I am a sugar addict. So like, I had a lot on in terms of trying to mentally challenge myself to not do something. And so, I think it was fair, like, to have that, do you know what I mean, I didn't put it on myself. Whereas this month, it's like when I have the cigarette, I'm like, no that's a slip up, it's okay, you can slip up, but that is a slip up, you know. So I think it's like taking it in bite size. I was talking to one of my friends who wanted to take February because it's a short month. They want to take February um to like overhaul their whole life. And I said, that's sick. I'm sure you will. But just remember that like doing loads is gonna make it harder to complete it all. Because something, you know, your body, you know, say it's like one of the things is more exercise. And it's like your body needs to get get used to it. So, you know, it by doing that, it's gonna be harder to say eat less. You know what I mean? I don't know if that was one of the things, so I I can't tell, but um, it's like you need to be able to be realistic with yourself on what you're going to be able to achieve within that month. That's kind of what it is. Um, I spent, I said January last year that I wanted to quit smoking by the end of the year. And I've got it down to, if I'm not drinking, I've got it down to having one cigarette a day or zero cigarettes a day. Or if I want to shoot, if I want to shoot, I'm just having cigarettes. I'm just going to have a couple of raisins. I don't know if that was some ASMR shit or if it was really horrible for you guys. Raisins have become my best friend since the whole sugar thing. Anyway, so yeah, I think that bite size, bite-sized little bits. I always say to my girlfriend, I say, just tackle the one thing. You don't need to tackle everything. Just tackle one thing. And then once you completed it, you get that satisfaction of completion. So when you're in the climbing wall, big up to Stronghold beneath me again. Let's see if I can get a discount on my next 10 10 passes, actually, because second time for a shout out. Um, It's like climbing. If you keep, keep, keep trying one that you're not able to do, sometimes it's good to go and do a couple that are maybe a bit easier. Get that momentum going and then come back to it when you're like feeling a bit more positively about the situation. It's like, that's that's kind of good. Like, if you're spending the whole month trying to do loads of stuff and you can't get, say you get, you know, 10 things, 70% completed. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like Mathematically, that might be more than getting five things 100% completed. But in terms of 100% completing five things is way more... I think satisfactory and way, way, way more satisfying, sorry, than, yeah, that's what I think personally. But um, I don't know. You guys can tell me. T E T L E Y. No, yeah, T E T L E Y, T O B Y. I keep saying that, but I don't think I check Instagram enough. And I also don't know if, how many people are listening or even want to message in. So, Big ups to you. I, you know, I do know there's one person listening, and that is Linda. So everybody, if we just get a big, big up to Linda, because I know she's listening at home. Big ups to Linda. Um. Yeah. Fucking hell, man. I'd love to just... I'd love to start a task and complete it like a normal person, regularly, for like a week. <laughs> I don't know. I don't... The thing is, yeah, I don't know if it's like just hyperactivity, me, normality, drugs or ADHD or all of the above. But I do find that I'm very here, there, then there again, then I'm back here. But then I do go there again and then I'm up somewhere else. And like, the final completion of a task is actually quite difficult. Like I, I've been meant, I've had to pay a parking ticket for a week now. Like, why have I not paid it? I don't understand why I wouldn't have paid it. But I haven't. And if I wait another week, it's going to be double the price. So, and I don't have the ticket on me to even pay it right now. But I haven't paid it. And I just, I don't get why. I have the ticket. And it's like, I, t- I just find that that becomes a massive problem when you're trying to complete, you know, challenge. That's why setting challenges is actually really good for me personally and why I think I'm really good at them is because when i have that force in there where it's like no sugar it's like okay i can i can almost put that as a force bottom line inside my brain and not have it's become an autonomy and that's why there'll be those like random little slip ups where my brain's just not thinking but on a basic level when i'm when i'm conscious or having any conscious thought it's no sugar no sugar so i think definitely the hyperactivity makes these kind of challenges makes doing things or like doing tasks or like trying to complete tasks more difficult but setting the challenges makes that a bit easier because it's like i don't know it's like you get to i don't know you get to feel like there's an end to it you get to feel the satisfaction of completing and winning you get to like i said have that bottom line in your brain where even with all the chaos going on in your brain there is a bottom line that's like okay no sugar (laughs) <laughs> it's like, yeah, there might be a, a bus on fire here in this scene in your brain. And then in this, you're thinking about your dead dad. And then over here, you're thinking about the fact that you're hungry. And then the, over here, oh yeah, you might need to be able to clean the house. And, but at the bottom of all of it, there's just no sugar. <laughs> I don't know why I think that's funny, but it is. I think it is funny. Like, I just think that that's how easy it is. But then some things aren't that easy. Like I, I can't just say no cigarettes. Do you know what I mean I can't do it so what does that mean like what does that even mean Um. <laughs> alright I'm just gonna take a quick break really quickly so I'm gonna put on a nice song for you guys to just kick it out to for a second give me a second I'm
3: back
0: Sorry about that guys A little technical I just needed to fix And I'm back now So, hello. i got a few things I want to talk about. I don't know if you're going to be interested in them, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try you. I've been wrestling with someone recently. I don't know who else lives in a massive transitional period, but I thought they only lasted, like, a few months, and then you transitioned. But I'm just... I'm spinning here for
2: a while, man.
0: And I don't know what I want to do. A part of me is like film game. Just keep working that film game. Every day, every day, work that film game, become the director that you want to be. I got some advice recently, which I'm not sure how much I'm gonna take. Because I don't I'm not sure how much I appreciated it. But I got some advice saying that to become a director, I really like like uh uh, uh respected director you got to um hone your craft in on like a different area for like a while and then become a director i don't know how if i have the uh, determination to like spend loads of years like honing myself as like a cam op or as a this or as a that an art director or whatever to then move over to directing because I didn't want to do any of those things. Um, but, you know, that advice was from someone who was a little more old-fashioned in the industry, so I don't know how much I want to take it. I'd say she was not inspirational. She did not fill me with confidence for young people in the industry. I can tell you that. Um, or for any kind of change. So I didn't know how to feel about that, but it is what it is, right? The other side of me is like, Let's just make some fucking bank. Let's just make some dough and live good. Fuck like like I can if I make dough, I can have more free time to go and do what I want to do. And then I can go and make films if I want with my money and stuff like that, or I can go on holiday, or I can go like fucking buy a sick car and shit. But then do I care about making dough? That's the other question. And in the third part of me is like let's just travel the fucking world because who gives a shit about any of this <laughs> you know let's just literally travel the fucking world you don't need that much money to be traveling the world you need enough and you need regular money just coming in somehow like get a cheap property rent it out and just fucking make sure that money's coming in every every month that you can keep going because really that's what I want to do is just like hike mountains and see fucking cool animals Like, nothing really gives me as much satisfaction as, like, seeing really sick animals in the wild. Like, that's the fucking coolest thing ever. So, we're living in this transitional period of those three things. And I have no clue what the fuck to do. You know? My, My partner, my girlfriend, is amazing in that she wants to do the same stuff I do. She either wants to make bank or travel the world or both. I think she wants to do both. Um <laughs> but I don't know if she wants to become a filmmaker. I don't think she does. But I just it's so hard to like work out because they they all counterproduct each other. So if I was to go traveling I'd have no money and my career would take a, a dive because I need to be working. be i need to be like relevant to get get anywhere in the industry and if i was to work on the industry i'm not going to make that much money and i'm not going to be able to travel and if i try and make loads of money i might get to a point where i can travel which is great but like i'm just going to be kind of hating every day or doing something that i just kind of mildly enjoy and i just don't know what the answer is it's one of those things i was saying i wish i could ask my dad I don't know what is the most important thing. And I try and ask myself. I do my self-therapy on myself and I say what's the most important thing in it. But all of them are important to me. I just don't know which one is the most important because they all kind of look to the future. Well. Only one of them like truly looks to the future, but like they're all kind of future plans. And I'm trying to think about the future less and more live in the present. So I don't know. I've been do I just the film industry is a difficult one to crack, you know, especially when you want to be a director. Of all the of all the positions, I feel like that's one of the hardest ones to crack because there's no trajectory, and I think it's about the perseverance. But usually, perseverance comes with like progression. You see little intermittent, intermittent like things here and there where you you are feeling like your perseverance is worthwhile. And like with a director, you don't really get that so much. So it's really difficult. Um, So I don't know. I just think that we only have one life. As I've said, there's no afterlife. So we only have one life. And it's so so easy to say, well, what do you want to do? What's the thing that's most important to you? But when all of those things kind of don't intersect, it makes the the choice of journey and the choice of direction so much more difficult. Um, so I kind of just think we need to, there needs to be like a, there needs to be like, right? Uh, you know, like careers advice is all bullshit. My girlfriend did one the other day and like one of the questions was wanting to earn over a certain amount. And then, one of the, and then the top thing that it gave her was changing room attendant. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what changing room attendant earns, I think that thing was upwards of 50K. What changing room attendant earns 50K? Fair play if you do. But like I, I, ne- I, I, I don't know anyone who, I don't know a lot of people that earn 50K doing anything that I know they do. So if changing room attendant is the way to make 50K, like, someone needs to start telling people that's the case. Um, I, d- I can't even my Mine was so stupid that I couldn't even remember. I remember that there was about 10 different sectors it gave me. Not jobs, sectors where jobs exist. And I was like, well, this is some bullshit. Um, but yeah, there needs to be like a real careers thing where it's like... Again, if we're talking about downloading brains, we're talking about downloading brains. This is what we're talking about today. But it's like an actual thing which tells you what, you know, it literally creates a pie chart of your mental priorities, like your priorities based on the real data inside your mind. And it says, you know, oh, how cool would it be if this like, went really far, right? So <laughs> you could find out who your best friend was or who your favorite child was. Because the pie chart would show, like, you know, the love that you share for other people. And it would put all those people into a pie chart. And so you could find out who if you loved your child, your first child more, your second child more. You could find out which one of your friends was your best friend. That would be kind of mad. But back to the point, it would also tell you... Say that. So, say my three things that obviously I'd I'd have loads of other priorities there in terms of career goals. But say there was a careers one and it would show me like where um, it would show me like, oh, okay, cool. Like your highest priority is to become a big director, whereas your lowest one is actually to see wildlife. And I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. That's fucking helpful, you know, and it helps with career. And even if you don't know what it is, it actually tells you what it would be. Like it tells you what your priorities are. Um, that'd be a cool little fucking thing to invent, wouldn't it? What else could it do? So it could show you who you love the most, like where your love spread. It could show you your careers. It could show you... What else could it show you? I mean, I don't know, man. This is... I could show you... Oh, my God, it'd be a really good marketing tool. It could show you the brands that you know or associate with. There could be one that brands you associate with, and one's the brands you don't associate with, and one's the brands you know. And it literally goes into the mind and, and you know like how a, a there's those fucking electroshock uh, electroshock things which test your muscle fat your body fat imagine it was like that so like it would send like a night shock through the brain and then it would see how many receptors pick up you know and then see how many of it. This would be really, really dangerous, I think. Now that I'm getting here, I'm like, actually, this thing should never exist. It be way too much information. But it'd be cool to do it for yourself. So you couldn't send it off to get done by a company, because then the company would own the results. But it'd be cool to do it yourself. And know the answers yourself. But yeah, career is just such a hard one. Because... Especially when you're like, like I said, when you do something with film, like it's a, it's not like a short plan. It's like a long, long, long-term plan. It's like in this, in this day and age, like long-term planning is so difficult. You know, you have to be content with where you are whilst you're doing the planning. And personally, work-wise, I'm not at all. Um, but then, you know, there's that there's that constant humbling where you like meet other people who are in jobs that they don't like more than you or or or, you know don't have jobs and really need money and you get that constant humbling which makes you kind of be more content with where you are but you can't let that stagnate you and say well okay cool i'm kind of happy where i am because obviously you're not because you're constantly thinking oh well i wish i could do more in this area or more in this area do you know what would be really impressive really helpful here a mentor If there's any mentors out there, hit me up, T-E-T-L-E-Y, T-O-B-Y, because I can fucking do with some fucking mentoring, you know what I'm saying? Um, At one point, I just wanted to be a life coach. I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to do fucking, you know, the fucking talking in front of people and taking all their money to talk in front of them. But then I just felt like, nah, that's not me. Like, I don't think I could willfully take the people's money like that. I gotta have to be doing more if even if I, even if it was still a scam. I feel like I should do more for the scam, which seems stupid because the scam is meant to be as less work as possible. But I feel like I deserve the money more if the scam was more work than just talking in front of people, being like, "You have hope. You need hope. That's what you need, man. You need some hope, man. You gotta believe in yourself." No, I just I think I feel like I need to put more work into my scams. Um. Yeah, direction. Direction is what we're all looking for, isn't it? I think there's there's I have a lot of friends. a lot of friends. I have a few friends who I've always been quite envious of the fact that they don't it's not that they don't have direction, they very much do. But they're just so content. It's it's like they're just content with being alive. And I just find that so like inspiring in a way. I have one friend from uni and a couple of people I've met along the way, I got one close mate in America who's just the fucking most lovely person. And it's like, it's not that like I'm friends with them more. If anything, I don't, I, I'm not as close with them, I guess, as I am with my close close mates. And like, there's an element of realism that I love about my close close mates that, because I'm a realist, that we can get down to. But there is something slightly just inspiring. slightly There's an element of jealousy. There's an element of jealousy um about the friends who are just so it seems just so happy to be alive at all points my friend in america is just such a wonderful energy like even whatsapp even whatsapping him three times like a three part three part conversation with three messages each the energy feeds through the phone you know it's that positive and like oh, it, it feels great I don't have the energy to do it myself. I've tried, I've said, since January 1st, I've been trying to be more positive. I think it's working. My brother said it's working. I went for a walk with him the other day. He was like, yeah, you've you changed. It's great. And I was just like,
3: yeah, this is, I'm
0: gonna take this as a compliment. <laughs> new is gonna take this as a compliment. Old me would have been like, what do you mean, man? But yeah, new is gonna take that as a compliment. But yeah, I look at some of, the, some of my friends, I had another friend at uni, who's been in London actually at the moment. And every time I saw him, it's just like he just seems so content with being alive. And it's not like that, they're, that they, they they do sick things. Like my friend in America is fucking doing some of the best shit I've heard of. Um, but it just seems like every day's a blessing, and I, I'm I kind of envious of that because it makes this whole where am I going, what am I doing thing just a little bit less. Of a burden, I wouldn't say important. It's still just as important to them because they still have this direction, this desire. Sorry to 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 you know do something, but I think it just becomes less of a burden on them and more just a part of the journey. And that's what I've been trying to say is that life's just more of a journey rather than a, a destination. Because once you get to somewhere, you're gonna want to be, wanna be in the next place. And once you get to somewhere else, you're gonna want to be the next place. Like it's just a uh, it's it's yeah it's a difficult it's a difficult kind of weird to be inspired and envious and like feel so much love and great energy towards someone. It's like i can't help, i can't I can only be only come out of every conversation positively like I think the the jealousy is such a minute part of it because I feel like I have the benefit of being able to feel this positive energy with that friend. And had I not had that friend, then I wouldn't be able to have that energy. So I think the jealousy is just a small part of it. But I also think the jealousy is out of something that I can change. And I feel like jealousy is much more rife if you're in a position that's like immovable. So say you are in a dead end job and you can't seem to get on a career traction, and you see someone who's like... Well, no, because you can change, you can somewhat change that. But I think, yeah, like, like sometimes I'll see someone with their dad and I'll get jealous. And I'll be like, oh, like someone who's like 25, like a kid, well, not kid, like a, a young adult, like a 25 year old with their dad on like a day out or something. And they're like laughing. And I'll be like, oh, that feels bad. That feels bad. And it's because something that I can't change. There's no way to look at that situation positively. Yes, I could turn around and say, oh, that's so sweet. Like, what I love you. But like, it's something that I can't change but I feel like with the the energy thing it's like I can change that like I could just be more positive and I'm trying and it's great. And I think by having friends like that it's it's awesome because you know that that that's a possibility and that's like a way to live like there is like an element of realism which makes life a bit more draining, a bit more of a burden. But I'm a realist, I can't really take it all out, you know what I mean? Um but yeah, they, I'm definitely inspired by my friends who were able to live in that kind of really free, free, lovely way. Um, but my friend uh, was telling me, I, w- I have this kind of go-to. If like you know, when your mind rests, my my, my when my mind rests, it goes to like this question of like, oh, what we're we gonna do? In kind of like, just in all areas, like in the career area and how to make money area and how to do whatever the next thing is area. So like, what are we gonna do? And like. My friend was telling me, he was like, why do you ask yourself that? And I was like, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's not like a necessarily a negative thing. It's just like a kind of mind numbness thing, whatever it is. And uh, and um, he was like, why don't you ask yourself or, or, or say to yourself, look how far we've come. And I thought it was kind of silly at the time. But I, I didn't think it was silly. But I was like, it's a great question. But like, obviously, it's just like a mind thing it's not necessarily something i need to change but then i started doing it so when i my mind would go blank and i'd be like what we're gonna do and then i'd be like no you know what look how far we've come and i feel really felt well better about it like i felt way better about it Uh, i felt like i was way more just like content with the steps that i'd made in my self it's not all about career is it it's all about it's isn't there so many other things like i've got a fucking sick relationship i moved out like i'm able to keep rent um i got some fucking bitcoin that's about to start turning if you uh if you have bitcoin i've been told that the the dip is probably at its end so i just dropped some more dough in there tonight hopefully that's gonna turn back up but it might go really badly because now i've said that and you know touch wood there's wood here. Um, and it's about saying, you know, look how far we've come. And I think a lot of you know, the whole world is about progression. Like, you know, we have to say, you know, if we don't expand our economy, you know, then it's seen as, you know, if we if our economy stands still, it's seen as a loss. And I think everything's about expansion. Everything's about progression. And that that that's good. Everyone wants to do better. But I think it it leaves very little time and very little like emotional energy to look back and say, "Look how far we've come," and um, we've come a long way. Like most people, you know, when you if you look back at like you know from the beginning of when you've wanted to make change to even to like a quarter of the way through of you making those changes, like there's a lot to pat yourself on the back for, and that's cool. Like that's wonderful. Like we we want that. We want to be able to put ourselves on the back for the things that we've done well, otherwise otherwise it just doesn't seem like there's you know, it's kinda of like the challenge thing. It's like it doesn't seem like there's ever an end to the constant having needing to better ourselves. And it's like by giving ourselves the reinforcement that what we're doing is right by saying, Well done to yourself or you know, I don't know, like having a cheat day, you know, with your food or whatever it is, it's like you get to feel some of, I don't know, some of the satisfaction. It's like, because <coughs> I got, because sh- I'm a sugar addict, and my girlfriend always says, "Oh, you know, these are the things that you need to cut out, and you can, this is what you can have." instead. said, I'm like, "Yeah, but I don't like that stuff." She's like, "Yeah, but you know," and you get to a point where there's a part of me that's like, you know, I'm alive, so like, I do want to enjoy myself like if i like yogurts and have a bit of sugar in them i'm gonna eat them i just don't need to eat them in you know craziness that i would eat them normally it's like i don't want to cut out we got into a thing about tea speaking of i'm gonna have a little sipski here oh yeah nice minty but this is part of my point so we got into a thing about tea and i was saying that i noticed that the first thing i was having in the morning was a shot of sugar because I put a teaspoon of sugar in my tea. And I just thought that was such a terrible way to start the day. And um, I was like, I think I'm going to start trying mint tea. And she was like, oh, what about just hot water? And I was like, what? That's, that's horrible. She like, okay, what about just a glass of water? And I was like, what, 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 no, what? No. She said, like, yeah. You know. I was like, no. Like, I want to have a hot, nice beverage in the morning to wake me up. I'm going to fucking replace it with a fucking glass of fucking water, man. It's like I need something there to enjoy as part of, like, my morning routine. And, like, a glass of water will not suffice. So there is parts of life that, you know, you want to enjoy. And you need to kind of give yourself that. Otherwise, it just makes life more constant struggle, constant struggle. Because if you're constantly going across, constantly trying to go against your instinct... It gets straining, man. Like it gets to a point where you just you'll be like, okay, well, I failed to bring that back, so I'm just gonna kinda do what I want. And that's kind of just a bit of a waste. Um I don't know. Transitional periods. Yay, transitional periods. Um, I'm gonna play you guys a song and uh come back with a bit more transitional periods. But I don't know what song I'm gonna play. So I'm just gonna go for a random one that pops up on my phone. Love you guys.
3: Yes, I try to keep them worried. Mama smile to keep them crying. That's to keep the public from knowing just what I have. Someday, someday, baby, I'll be six feet in the
4: rain. Someday, someday, baby,
1: I'll
4: be six feet in the rain. <laughs>
1: You abandoned me Love don't live here anymore can see that you wouldn't do for me, trouble seems so far away, you change the Oh, me. God, I
0: love that tune so much. Yeah, well, I always get the name wrong. I know I know it was um, Love Don't Live For it Anymore, but I always get the name wrong. Rose Royce. I guess that's because I always think of Rolls Royce. Rolls Royce. Yeah, I thought I was muted all that time. <laughs> um, no, Rose Royce. I'd love to live anymore. I'm a big fan of you, And I'll tell you why. There is a remix by Late Night Tough Guy. Um, L-A-T-E-N-I-T-E-T-U-F-F-G-U-Y. Um, that is just fucking sick. And when I went for my first ever roller skating festival... In America, in North Carolina. Uh, big up rolling in the Carolinas and everybody involved in that. And big up obviously to the NC crew and all the them involved in us going over there. And Chris Nelson, because I bought my first ever proper Rydells out there, so big up to Chris Nelson out there too. So when I turned up to the rink, I'd only been skating for like six months or so. And you know, I was still like learning, I'd fallen in love with roller skating, but like, you know, there was it was and I'd kind of, I'd seen skating in London and I'd, you know, you know, you kind of like when you see the top, what you thought was the top people, come on social media, I hadn't really researched it, but when you see what you kind of thought was the top people, you'd like, oh, okay, so the game, like I see, I see the game, I'm, I'm on level one and they're on level, you know, say 10, there's 10 levels, and that's what I need to get to. And then I went out there, turned up to the first rink and I was like, oh, there's a hundred levels. I didn't realize there was a hundred levels. What the fuck? And this Late Night Tough Guy remix was playing. And, uh, oh man, there was just something about the aura of the rink. Everyone bouncing in unison. The apps, that just changed the game for me. Um, I'm going to turn my bed down again. I think it's a little bit loud. that's a bit better some crazy rock guitar Um, yeah there was something about the whole rig bouncing together that just changed my whole view of skating instantly Um, it was like one big like life source life force all kind of breathing in unison and I didn't really I hadn't really felt that in the UK because it's a very different type of skate and obviously everything I'm saying is very personal in terms of opinion I can't speak for you know, everybody, but everything I'm saying is quite personal in terms of opinion. But the UK, when I've been skating, it was like people, it was a, it was kind of like clubbing on skates, but with much more love, much more vibe and community and like much more love for like the, the, the skating part of it. But then when I went out there, it was like this kind of big breathing organism that like was all working together in this kind of very singular, you know, each cell was working on its own but it was all part of a massive much larger unit and i was just very I, f- I found it very fucking awesome and uh very much got involved in being a part of that organism very quickly um and i love skating in america i think there's just a very different vibe to skating in america i know that there's been a there's been a massive massive change in skating over here since the introduction of like I, you know i'd like to say that it was like a lot to do with say DJ Don Diego, Kai, uh, Dan, Mr. Major Look, uh, Big Smooth, whatever you know him for, Jason, Black Velvet, Nadia, Sour Grapism. I'd like to think these guys had like a massive effect on it because I know that from the stories they've told me, a lot has changed since they started going to America and coming back here and the vibes kind of changed a bit. But lucky for me, like I got out there with them. So I got to experience it firsthand and it's just a whole different energy that you feel off, off all of the rinks out there, and just different music. And it feels like the the one of the things that I found, which is changed now or changing, but I'm not a good necessarily a good uh, indicator of it because my music taste is very specific, which I said with Amzi last time. Um, but one of the things that I found is that like out there, it feels like the the DJs are skate DJs and like you might find them DJing at other nights but really they're mostly DJing skate things or they're doing like corporate jobs and stuff because skate music is a very specific type of music you have got like people who produce skate music you know what i mean it's like it's very much for roller skating jam skating uh, rhythm skating and also with all, within that all of the different you know you got like JB and you got all these kind of other ways so the music's very tailored towards the skating whereas i find that a lot of the music that we have here or what I hear is like, it's just like, you know, the big music in the different, or like good music in those different um, genres. So like one of the one of the places I go, it's like they they do all the genres. So like, not all the genres, but most of the genres. So everybody gets a little bit what they want. But Obviously, if a genre is not what you want, then you're kind of out for like however long that genre is playing for. Whereas in America, it's not it doesn't feel like I'm more, it doesn't feel like I'm compartmentalizing into genres so much. It feels like everything's got its own reason to skate for. I don't find myself like going off the rink because I'm not liking the music. And a lot of people can skate to whatever, but me personally, like I can only really skate to what, I'm, what I like. And I don't find myself like going off the rink in America because the music's getting dead or anything like that. I might go off because I'm tired because there's been house for ages, but I just kind of find that the music's just so much better, so much better. And like, we've got some DJs here that that do really, really good skate DJ sets, and I love them. I just think that we need, I guess we need maybe like a a dedicated like American, now we've got Flippers opening, big up to Flippers and everyone involved. Um, Now we've got Flippers opening, maybe we need like an American night once a month or something, where it's like a kind of, we get like, Dom, uh, Dan, maybe DJ Touchy. Oh, big up. Whoever knows DJ Touchy knows that he deserves the most largest of big ups in the entire world that's ever existed. DJ Touchy is a fucking Don upon Dons with all the Dons. He really is. So yeah, you go like an American night with like Touchy, Dan, um, Dom... And just have that like once a month and like see if people kind of start vibing with that kind of music. Because you know they will. You know people will love it because it's fucking sick to skate to. So I don't know why they wouldn't. But I'm definitely down for that kind of shit. I think we could definitely get in some sick, sick DJs. We could definitely have some really fun, really good fun with it. And then obviously when Roland London comes back around, everyone will be used to all that kind of music that we'll be rocking out, which would be great. Roland London is a... International roller skating festival weekend, uh, put on by the NC, the, the skate group I'm part of. Um and it happens in the last weekend in July. And we changed the areas, we changed the places in which we do it, but yeah, it's always, always a massive, massively fun event and always great to see everyone from our international community. I think the international skate community is one that's like it's like even in America, that like the jam skating, rhythm skating community, I think is still somewhat underground in comparison to the rest of the kind of communities, you know. And I think when we see each other, all from different different countries, it like brings this kind of like, oh yeah, like there is such a passion here. Like this thing exists for a reason. Where you know we may be un- underground, but like we are all underground together, and there's like an almost unspoken connection. I guess you get it even with un- un- non-underground things, because I get that with camera people. Like, I can just talk cameras with people who I've never met before for ages. So I guess, yeah, you do get it. But I think with skating, it's it's kind of like, I don't know, it's just like an unspoken... I'm going to get a really good skate going for you guys. It's kind of like an unspoken, like, oh, you're a skater. Like, I saw someone at the gym the other day, and I was just like, he turned up on skates, and I was like, I know you. Like, I know you straight. I know I know you. Um... So yeah, that's always fun. Uh, I just think it's like a great, uh, I don't know. I think it's a great way to, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to play this tune. This is what I love to skate to. So when I go into the rink, I'll put my headphones on and just bang out this. And it's funny when everyone's like going around to like house or like soccer or soccer. I can always never remember music. And it's all really fast. And I'm just like this with my headphones on.
3: Who be rollin' with me Play no game Play no games Cause ain't nobody playin' with me I got love I got love for My niggas on my family tree I got love Love from the ghetto Down for whatever You was down before and you still got down game. me down I got game Cause the game was given to me Say my name Say my name Cause ain't nobody tighter than me Give it up Get it up, yeah You like the way I'm rocking this beat I don't know Know nothin' better Chasing my cheddar in love with a whore You ain't never listen to Ooh. Cause she hanging on me She can't yeah. hang She can't hang Cause I ain't looking for a wifey Just in case Just in case I better take a weapon with me And these hoes, hoes get clever down for whatever If she strikes me some more I'll lead her hell with how. how the Haters they be all in the mix When they know When they know it, Ain't gon' get no better than this Can't they see Can't they Ain't some niggas that wanna diss me. I love a trick, never treat a bitch, never. I told you before, so you better not be fucking with me. on my
0: neck, diamond ring, diamond ring, as long as I can keep her in check, all the same, all the same, as long as you don't ever forget, I was to the ghetto, quite a tight fellow, if she had for the stash, I always it's gotta struggle the constantly we, bustin' to a hell of a beat. Another one that I fucking loves getting round to. That was I Got Love by Nate Dov. And this one is just for you guys. No, I was going to try and load my bed back in, but I think I'm just going to leave this on and uh, let it just go to the next James Brown tune because I have no problem sitting here listening to James Brown in the back of my own voice at all. And I'm not sure if any of you do. I'm just going to check that I've muted the uh, the other channels. to so give me two sex. Yeah, we are all good. All right. So, yeah, we were talking about skating, skate music, skate love. Love a bit of skating. The reason I got into skating was because I wanted to learn how to film on skates and I did this with Ramsey. Um but yeah man I just I just didn't really care for that. I didn't I didn't get into ever doing that. I just kind of fell in love with skating. I think my filmmaking is purely directing now. I think I I like I like shooting. I love to shoot, but like there's so many good shooters out there um that my my filmmaking is is actually much more based in directing and directing talent. Um Big up to my fucking crews out there, obviously. Um, DOP to the stars, Samuel Friendicus, No, Mr. L. Samuel Friend, who turned 73 this week. 73? I think he was 73. Um, Or 29. One of the two. We're talking mental age or physical age? I don't know. Um, We've got producer boy Matt, who's also training in lots of other different fields. um, Who is a fucking gang when it comes to getting shit done. We got the boy, A.D. Amal, who is fucking sick to work with. I'm not even going to fucking pretend I'm working with Amal a few stuff. Like, if you need someone to keep your shoot running and keep shit going and make your life easy, book Amal. I don't know what any of his socials are. I don't know what anyone's socials are. I got Matt's wrong when he was actually in the building. Um, And then we got a bunch of other people, man. We got, like, Isaac, fucking gaffer of gaffes. Like, he's fucking sick, lovely to work with, like... You get to learn, you get. You learn to like, get your crew and they get to learn you. So Isaac just slipped right into our crew perfectly. Um, Chef Mateo, who obviously owns this whole radio station, so uh, a little bit of a switch around and priorities in terms of that. But yeah, and then everyone else who's ever got involved with us, man. We've had like actors that we've worked with hundreds of times, obviously not hundreds of times, but as many times as we can. So yeah, the, the film boys of, the film crew is the film crew, man. We're, we're out to try and do some shit. I was literally at Sam's birthday last night, big ups to the birthday boy. And uh, I was like trying to pitch concepts <laughs> to the team there. And they were just like, you're insane. And that that was, I wasn't laughing through that mouth. Like they were like, you're insane. And I was just like, oh, I didn't realize I was insane. Um, the worst part is that Linda, Linda doesn't think I'm insane. So me and Linda obviously just like feed each other's insanity. And then and then I go to my friends and I'm like, oh, this is a good idea. Linda said it was great. And they're like, you're both fucking nuts. And I'm just like, oh, are we? Oh, okay. Um, I guess that's what we're doing now then. So me and Linda are going to kind of go into some kind of nuts hole and start making some really weird, weird shit. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, got, I, I think me, me, between me, Sam and Matt, we've now pitched to each other. Well, Matt's still got to pitch them to Sam, but he's pitched them to me. Um, but between us, we've probably got like seven concepts now. And Sam said, let's get to 10 and then pick one. Um, I think we've got one that both me and Sam like. I'm not sure about Matt yet. We'll probably talk to him about it today. Um, but it's going to be a fucking sick little piece. So, uh, hey, I could do a little fucking thing here. You know what? If you are a brass band, hit us up because we want to do a piece with you um doesn't matter if you're like a four piece or a five piece or a six piece maybe i guess a three piece but i don't know maybe it'd be too little but if you're a brass band hit us up because i'm sure if you go and look at sam's work you'll be like oh yeah i could do with some fucking shit like this uh we just had a concept involving a, a brass band so yeah hit us up man um i had a concept that blew everyone out of the water last night they were all jaw dropped to the floor because of how ridiculously insane I am so I'm hopefully going to get that one made with them I don't want to have to go to other people to come back and be like this is what I meant, <laughs> I want to be able to be like, this is what we're going to make <laughs> um, we had a couple of other ideas, the problem with film right, and I had this conversation with Amar once who really kind of made me understand it more than I've I ever like understood it before I guess, is that in the day and age we are now, we have such a versatile storytelling force that sometimes this, like there is stories that should be told by the people who have experienced the story that you're trying to tell. Obviously, a lot of what we tell is fiction, but I wanted to do a piece once about inherited trauma, and it was going to be it was based off a video that my girlfriend had shown me. That was saying about an inherited trauma from slavery for um, Afro-Caribbeans, and I thought that was really interesting. I'd never heard about it before, so I looked at it, and it was, I looked. It was just it was crazy. And obviously, being a Jew, well, being from a Jewish background, there's you know lots to speak of inherited trauma within the Jewish uh, faith. Um, so I thought it'd be really interesting to do this piece where we had these three people who lived together and, and basically got into this kind of interesting discussion, then argument, then, you know, back to kind of debate, you know what I mean? It was kind of a ups and downs, crescendos and that kind of thing. And I just spoke with Amal for a long time at length and we just kind of, he kind of made me understand that being someone who you know, is still even learning about that concept within their, that community, like, would be very difficult to see a way in which the story was told correctly um, with justice for it, you know, done in a justif- justiceful way for the story. So, and I completely get it. Like, I, I literally said to him, I was like, you're right, drop the concept straight away, like move on to the next one. I think that there, you know, I've had conversations with, you know, other friends like me and Sam talk about that there's a line with that. I think when you're not telling, when you're not making a point with your piece, you are, you're much more open. So I think the reason that that piece was difficult to see more of after the conversation with the Mars because it was a, it was a making a point piece, and me and Sam were saying that I think if we if if our point if our piece is purely conceptual and it's not there to make a point, it doesn't necessarily even follow the realms of reality or chronology. We're much less um, bound by the realms of of. Having to have had experiences within the, the story we're trying to tell, and I think that's great. But it's very interesting that only now then are those stories being able to be told if in 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 real context, in the reality of how they were experienced. Because you know it's been so difficult for, say, people kind of color or females to direct big films or DOP big films or write or be, you know what I mean? Like I, 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 I'm just going on based on what I know about the world. I don't know about the film industry in particular. But it's interesting to think that now those stories are told with so much more reality to them because they're being told by the people who have experienced them rather than being told by through the eye. It's almost like the original gaslighting would be like having a, like, you know, say, I, I don't know who directed The Wire and, like, wrote The Wire, but say if the The Wire was directed and written by, like, to fucking, like, Harvard, ex-Harvard. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not... Do you know what I mean? It, it's like, it wouldn't be right. So that's when Amal, when I was speaking to Amal, and he made me think about it, like, that definitely made me look, kind of wake up and see the stories I was telling. And I think, like, that we have enough in our own lives to be able to make stories out of our own experiences. Um, I think that me and Sam have been saying this quite a lot when we've been designing concepts. Um... And even when me and Matt have been talking about concepts, it's like there's shared experiences in both our lives that are interesting enough that make good would make good stories. Um I think Matt was saying one the other day, which was like uh Oh one second, Matt's just texted me because he's coming to join me. Um I was talking about the other day about um doing a piece that was about the difference between um male and female uh, interactions when they when they have to do different things and the differences between how males have to think how women women have to think. And um it was like very centered on the female experience. And like, you know, my instant that my back went up straight away and I was like, well that I I don't know if that's my story to tell. I don't know if that's our story to tell because I feel like not only is that the story of a female that they should tell, but also there's so many things that could and have, hap- <coughs> could and have happened that we could only read or be told about and never actually empathize with, that it's actually quite difficult to tell that story. And, and you know he's gonna write it out and stuff. But I did say to him, I said, I think that's going to be a difficult one for me to be convinced into doing because I think, um, I think it's just, it's not my story to tell. And I think that there's enough females out there who can tell that story, who are directors and are writers. And I think that, you know, let them tell it because they're going to give it the most real perspective. <clears throat> if I could... I'd tell every motherfucking story. If I could tell every fucking story, I could... Mr. Matthew has just walked through the room. I've just been talking about you on the radio, mate. Um, If I could, I'd tell every fucking story. Um, But I can't because I just haven't experienced everything. Um, The one I was talking about yesterday to the people that they call me crazy for, the way it was designed was, you know, I was saying that if I, say, took my dad's death as the subject of the film... And then we say we did like a test for the film. And so like I was the person who went in and put on this fucking thing and then was like transported into these bots and shit. It would be much easier to write. And because the film isn't trying to make a point, it's just trying to be conceptual. I don't need to be correct. I just need to be real. And I experienced the reality of the feelings that I would be discussing. And therefore whatever I felt is real, I don't need to think about how other people feel. I don't need to think about the extensions of my feelings. I don't need to think about anything else other than what my feelings were in that situation because one, the piece is purely conceptual and two, the subject matter is literally written around me. And I think that's where you get the best films. And me and Matt were writing one once that was like all based, it wasn't based around things that we've experienced, the subject wasn't a subject that we'd experienced but all of the experiences they were going through were experiences that we'd had. And so it was like all of the scenes were coming from a very real place, but the full story wasn't necessarily there in its entirety or in its realism because we weren't necessarily aligned to the message in our core selves to what we were trying to say in the film. So like, there's different ways to build a story. But I think that when it comes down to it, it needs to be based in where the actual writing and where the story is based. So like I said, if I use my dad's death as literally the core of this whole conversation that happens within this concept, it's all from a real place. And in doing that, we get to create a very real film. I think, obviously, it'll be difficult for an actor, but who knows? (laughs) Um, God, it's two hours. How was it two hours already? Oh, because I had a little break in the middle. Um, and I started late, and I'm going climbing, and I'm going to watch Jackass three today. So I'm actually just going to lock off. <laughs> I'm going to uh, play you a final song, but I don't know what that song's going to be. Um, it's going to be something from the BB King and Eric Clapton album, for sure, because that's just been my jam ever since my dad's died, and this has been a bit of a dad's dead program, not to ruin it for you guys, but. It's been a kind of celebration of dad's death program rather than a dad's dead, everybody cry. I just typed dad's dead into Spotify. How dumb was that? (laughs) But yeah, um, it's been a kind of dad's dead kind of uh, scenario. Um, So let's just find a song that's kind of to do with dad's death or just on the BB King album that I really enjoy. Uh, Let me find it for you first and then I'll play it. So right now I'm going to turn up some James Brown. Uh, It's been wonderful being with you guys on a Sunday again. Uh I hope it's not been too morbid for you. I tried to make it quite light and friendly and fun. Um if you've been tuning in, thank you very much. Uh if you're hungover, I hope you're less hungover now. Could possibly be more hungover now than how much you drank during the show. Um I've had a lot of fun being here. Like I said, we're going to be here on the 1st and 3rd now instead of the 2nd and 4th. Um my next few guests, I've got quite a few people lined up who are going to have some great chats, so Make sure you keep tuned in. It's uh, T-E-T-L-E-Y, T-O-B-Y on Instagram. Like I said, not going to get back to your messages, so don't know why I'm telling you. Uh, Lots of love.
4: ba ba ba
0: tea in the morning. Oh, well, I am tea and this is tea in the morning. Or well, I've been tea in the morning for you. Can you hear me? So Matt just told me that apparently Eric Clapton is a massive racist. So that kind of sucks. Um, played a lot of Eric Clapton today. So apologies if you've been offended by my uh, playing Eric Clapton. Um, I hope you've enjoyed every part of the show. Uh, I've sent you guys a lot of love and appreciate everything you give me and all the time. Love, guys.